This is AJ Sway, the Sway God, and you're now tuned in to the Dad Bod Rap Pod. Stony Island Audio. And now, it's time for the Dad Bod Rap Pod with your hosts, Damon Carter, David Ma, and Nate LeBlanc. Three underground rap nerds walked into a bar. An argument ensued about who the goats are. The seed was a thought that would turn into a pod. Now fans worldwide say, Not a bad job, the ad hoc gab squad who chronicles the vanguard of hip hop at large. Rap taste slacked off, no need to be mad, dog. Look no further, it's the dad bod rap pod. pod. Podcasting live from San Jose, California, it is the Dead Body Rap Pod here reporting live from 4th Street. It is Damone Carter, a.k.a. Dem One. And over on 5th Street, we have my man, Nate LeBlanc, who is who is rocking a hoodie and who is on the hoodie? Uh, this is a Controller 7 uh, hey. left-handed straw hoodie. I don't actually know who this uh, follically challenged gentleman is. Um, I don't know if you know this, <laughs> but um, Controller 7 has been doing a newsletter series where he explains stuff about the record. Oh, it's really? probably in there. He has been like very, very detailed about all like some huh. of the stuff he sampled and okay. the house he was at when he made the beats. So there may be um, a tidbit in there that I did not memorize about who is the cover model for uh, uh, okay. the left-handed straw. But yeah, um, big shouts to Controller 7 for hey. the program, friend in real life, and um, someone whose music I love. So I'm rocking his hoodie today. There it is. Shout out to uh, Controller 7 who does not send me his newsletter. Uh, <laughs> even though we work it, we working on music. I gotta sign up. To, uh, get the, the lowdown. Wallies, hit the hit the subscribe. There, there it is. Uh, good to be here with y'all once again. It's it's a Thursday. It's a Monday in real time. Um, and we just had a great conversation with AJ Swade, which you'll hear in just a bit. But it's February, which means a couple of things. Um, it means it's Black History Month, no matter what Ron DeSantis says. Uh, it means that it is the all-star break is upon us um, if you are a follower of the NBA. Nate, I feel like the all-star break is hidden kind of late. They like, don't do it at the midpoint of the season anymore. Mm, I don't mm. remember why. I think so they could take it to more cities uh, okay. weather-wise because okay. one year the it was in Toronto and it was basically like snowed out. Oh, I so see. I think they moved it later in the season so they could take it to more of the different cities. Like this year it's in Utah, which is Utah. Salt Lake city is a cold, cold weather city. So I think yeah. they moved it to a different part of winter. Oh. Because if you do it right at the 40 game mark, you're in like the, the depth of winter. So for the country, you can't even, you can't exactly. even do it. That, that yeah. makes sense. And which like, I, I don't know exactly how they do this. Cause I don't watch football anymore, but it, there's, there was a time where it was basically either Miami or New Orleans, and they only did the Super Bowl in the in hot weather yeah. places, and now yeah. they're doing it in different places. So I think all of that is yeah discussion. Uh, with global warming, it'll all be a warm. <laughs> we won't have to worry about that much longer. Soon enough, uh, the NBA All Star Game amongst uh, the professional sports All Star Games, I think is the coolest, and I don't mean that in terms of like coolest as best. I mean it has the most cool value like like uh, all-star weekend is a thing like if you yeah. are it's a social somebody event. in your town you take it to all-star weekend you party you dress yeah. up 
so yeah. I've heard. No one's inviting me to shit. Um, th- nobody does that for the baseball all-star game. That's right, like a family right. event. And right. I, I, if hockey has a all-star game, that would be news to me. I feel like they do that one where they play one outdoor game. The yeah, winter yeah, yeah. classic. Yep. And that has been in hot weather cities. Like they're doing that in Phoenix sometimes. Makes and it's like sense. you're trying to keep ice frozen in Phoenix. Like that just seems like a fool's Makes errand. No sense. Yeah. Um, and football, like literally no one cares. You yeah, can't do exhibition football. You either are playing 100% or 0%. Well, they they switched. They, at least they switched that up. They're trying to go to me a more NBA All Star route where they've got these like skills challenges and stuff they're doing, and they're gonna do like flag football, all of which I won't watch a second of. Yeah. Um. But the All Star game, yeah, it's like a social event. The year that it was, it was in the Bay Area in Oakland, um, which the year is escaping me. But all I know is that my aunt, one of my younger aunts went. It was the year that Vince Carter put his arm through the. Oh wow! Through the rim. And I just remember my auntie going and like getting like, I'm going to bag me an NBA player. <laughs> it's it's that kind of event. You know what I mean? It brings out that type of energy. So like how the only you... thing you had is arm in, huh? Hey. That's really gross. Um, um, what's I'll it called? Uh, I love the three point contest. I love the dunk contest. It's just as a kid who grew up in the 80s and 90s, yeah. like I still think it's cool. I still think it's fun. I don't really like watching the game, but the I, when Steph went off for like 50 last year, like yeah, that, that was pretty entertaining. So uh, yeah. exhibition basketball is fun because you take out defense is the first thing to go and everybody just does crazy passes and dunks. And so it gets tiresome. I think it could benefit if there were seven minute quarters. And I know that doesn't work for the television thing. Seven minute quarters, everybody's mic'd up. There you go. That's, that I think that would be dumb entertaining uh, because that's did that's you used to watch Rock thing. and Jock? Yes, unfortunately. See, that, that, that's me. like to me, that yeah. that's the most entertaining like sports thing. I'm like, where is Dan Cortez? He can't be that busy. <laughs> get him out there, get Queen Latifah in there, like right? get yeah. Aaron Carter in there, like just right. like have random people in there. Yeah, Fat Joe. Let's yeah. do it. Yeah. Let's have uh Kevin Hart post up uh Chris Dapp's Porzingis or whatever. Like yeah. Yeah. let's just let's lean into the absurdity of this. Uh, to me, that's that was super fun. And actually, weirdly, that's the only like celebrity softball I've ever enjoyed too it's like you got yeah. people doing bits down the third baseline sliding weird mtv used to be somebody let's just let's just put that out there they used to have some actually interesting uh programming but but yeah it's it's all-star uh break is upon us in the nba which is the fake midway point which is where i have to assess do i keep subscribing to youtube tv to watch the warriors <laughs> I've, I've been on the fence it's like every time i'm about to fucking cancel it and just ride the rest of the season out they win just enough games to stay competitive I'll, I'll put i was this- watching the game the other night and if they won they would be in sixth place and if they lost they would be in 12th right and they lost so they're currently out of the playoff picture with steph on the shelf for a month which is brutal oh my timing God. Uh, yeah. but it has been such a weird warrior season and it hasn't not been entertaining there's been some great moments but um they're they're mediocre at this point which with that many great players and max guys it's just not a it's not cool to be mediocre so i follow the twitter narratives closely and honestly uh the trade deadline is second only to the first day of free agency as the best nba Twitter oh yeah of the year. Woj, so like, Woj alert yeah no, no one no one texts me on thursday i will be on my basketball <laughs> list which i think i've mentioned this on the show before but i have a list of nba writers so i can segregate that news out and yep. jaron jackson jr of the memphis grizzlies follows my list yeah and it's he, a weird he, quirky thing about my life and now every time i see him i'm like there you are don't yeah, play yeah. bad against the warriors uh, every time you see him fouling out he's amazing but he's like five fouls walking um yeah it's it's gonna be an interesting time uh with steph's injury it'll be interesting to see if the warriors try to make a move to shore themselves up um or if they just kind of like you know a wise man once said oh you don't keep a number two pick on the bench all year trade him let's get off this Let's get Wiseman to a team that can develop him. Yeah. So boring. The discourse of it is so boring. It's like everyone knows what needs to happen. Let's make it happen. But there actually was like a big trade. 
yesterday. Yeah, yeah, just really blindsided me with the news and and filled me with a, a deep joy in that Laker fans really thought they were getting Kyrie. Um, <laughs> and it and it didn't happen. And Kyrie is going to be joining Luca um, in Dallas, which. I love because it's like now he's somewhere where he can't hurt anyone. Like there, it's not <laughs> that team is going to be fun to watch, and they're going to be like a hard, uh, a, a fun team to watch flame out in the second round of the playoffs. Um, if, if that, I would say, I don't think this yeah. makes them a contender at all. No, like you, now you have two guys who can each score thirty a night, but no defense in the backcourt. Right, is going to give up 45, but um, all the memes about how uh, Kyrie is going to um, turn Luca into a hotep is uh, <laughs> is worth it. It's worth it. Let's just be honest. That's what it's it's really about. Um, I hear folks talking about, and, and I need to read the World Report a little bit deeper, that um, this is a one-year thing. It's just transition to get him to the Lakers, which is every player that's great, Laker fans feel like they're entitled too and like it happens for them lebron's playing there um but yeah it, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that um who could the warriors get to help them limp across the finish line into the playoffs i don't know what his actual availability is at all but i've always wanted to see pj tucker in a warrior uniform oh mostly for the shoes um, yeah. but he, he was just like, we need that hard-minded defensive David West yeah. guy who can pass. We've, we've been missing yeah. that for, for a long time. Like Looney's having a great season, but he yeah. can't do it all himself. Sure. So it, it's just like, I, I just think he, you know, he can hit a, hit an occasional three, he kind of three. Enforcer, yeah. and like someone who, who can mix it up. We're, a, we're a little soft right now. And I feel like we could use an injection of kind of Toughness. I don't want to say dirtiness, but toughness is the right way to put it. Like, yeah, uh, Andrew Bogut, for all of his faults, would elbow yep. a dude in the chest and start yep. start stuff, and would protect Steph and Clay, and like, yep. kind of like, and also was a great passer. Um, so I don't know. What... Uh, that, that's a great that's a great call, man. And also, I kind of feel like you're just you're sticking up for stocky guys. <laughs> I, think if, <laughs> I think if there's an NBA player that was up your profile, it, it would be Tucker. Yeah. Um, no, that's that. No, that's a good call. I, I, um, part of me is kind of like uh, Draymond's contract is coming up at the end of the season. Um, so whatever they do do, and I don't know what they they'll do. And I, I have to admit, I'm not tapped in with the NBA enough to know who would be a great pickup, but whatever happens, um, I think it'll be a statement on what's going to happen going forward. Right. Yeah, it's kind of like, they've got to make decisions about this big three, do you keep it together? Do you pay Draymond big money in the offseason when he basically punched the, you know, the future of the franchise in his face? Probably deserved it. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's just huge questions coming up. Steph's window. How hurt is he? Do you do you expire him on another playoff run when he comes back? Um, Bob Myers and them have some fucking big questions to answer it's gonna be I'll, I'll just say this they could legitimately miss the playoffs and they could legitimately win the championship and if it's you, weird if, huh if that doesn't entertain you as a fan i don't, I don't know, know what would like nobody yeah. wants to see them in a seven game series no one yeah yeah uh, a healthy warrior starting five i would still take um against pretty much anybody yeah. there's, but, there's but no you... dominant team all the all the teams with the best records have serious flaws like the nuggets and stuff like that like we have the yeah. nuggets number so yeah it's just not it's just not something we're scared of it just matters who's hurt at the end yeah and what's going to happen the celtics look really good they're like have a chip on their shoulder because of what happened last year um yeah, yeah I'm, I'm excited to see what happens on the trade deadline and i think um it's it's a really good season because so many different players are having like miraculous runs. Like I I don't like follow Donovan Mitchell, but if you didn't, oh my like, god, he is wrecking shop in Cleveland. Cleveland's yeah. really good, really young, really, good. really exciting. It's yep. just like you haven't been good since LeBron left, so it's exciting yep. for that to happen. And he's not he's not my guy or anything, but you have to admire what he's doing. There are more good offensive players um in the league right now than any time i can remember and, and fools are going off i'm i'm a little bit frustrated though with like um you mentioned the all-star game i think defense generally is just kind of out of style i think players are so gifted offensively that defenses are like nah 
You know what I mean? Like it's it's not the same effort put into stop, folks. The game is more spread out. You have to run more. Um, I'm just, you know what you never used to see? Somebody makes a basket and then the other team just runs up the other side of the court and scores right again. Like that used to be a fucking travesty. And I see that five times a night. Like, yeah, the the gifted defensive players still tend to be like shot blocker, like kind of like Bam yeah. Adebayo kind of yeah. kind of yeah. dudes. There's there's only one Draymond who can really change the game without being a huge shot In blocker by just by yeah. being disruptive, right? Yep. And I, I I forget who said it, but there's a famous quote. I think it was Russell Westbrook said about Pat Patrick Beverly. He's yeah. like he does he's not doing anything. He's just running around. <laughs> And it's like, he's lost a step and he's still a great instigator. When he took the camera over to show yeah, the ref that yeah, something didn't happen. I yeah. mean, that's just rustling level award, not a defensive yeah. player of the year award. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, the NBA is by far the funnest league. The all-star stuff is still cool, even though no, none of the real people you want to see do any of the main events. But um, yeah, it's been a crazy season. A lot of ups, a lot of downs for the Warriors. They've ended up just right in the middle, which is the worst place to be. So I don't know if right. the two timeline um, system of trying to keep the young guys and the old guys happy is going to work. But I'll just say my quick thing about Draymond, which is I think he'll be the first of the three to leave. Yeah. I think it'll be for the Lakers briefly, and then he'll go to Detroit to finish Detroit. out his yep. career on a max a contract. Yep. Just kind of, you know the king yep. of Saginaw or whatever. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would hate to not have him on the Warriors, but um, the being a fan of his is tough. He, he makes it hard. Yeah, exactly. And it's kind of like the role I play here on, on dad bod. Um, I've won us as many games as I've lost us. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, shout out to the non-basketball fans that uh, sat through that introduction um, <laughs> to get to this AJ Swade interview. Um, AJ Swade, Swade God, is a rapper from New York, uh, now currently working out of Seattle, who's made some really interesting stuff. Um, you actually put me on to him, uh, his project with Televangel in 2021, I believe. Um, and I was really impressed. And so uh, it was good to get some of his time. Wide ranging interview where we assess what his deal is. <laughs> so without further ado, here is our interview with AJ Swade, Dad Bod, Rap Pod. Dad Bod Rap Pod. Every week we're talking to people who are moving and shaping hip hop culture. This week is no different. Joining us in Zoom, we have AJ Swade, aka Swade God. What's happening, man? Boom. Yo, thanks for having me. What's up, Nate? What's up, Dem One? Glad to man. be here. Uh, glad to have you on the program, man. It's been a, a long time coming. We've been watching your trajectory um, for a minute. You've got a new project out called Indica Music, which begs the question, is Indica Music a statement of preference or will we get a sativa and hybrid music? Is this a series? AJ Suede, elaborate. Yo, so I wasn't thinking of doing a hybrid music, <laughs> but now I'm doing a hybrid music. So yeah, I definitely <laughs> was so Indica Music happened because I don't really get too many chances to mix producers up, mm. you know? So that was my way of taking all of the great beats I had and still doing something with them before I either move back to doing the one producer thing or the self-produced. So yeah, I was definitely thinking of doing a sativa music the next time I rounded up a whole bunch of great beats, probably even from the same pack, but might might be a little bit more upbeat, obviously. You know uh, what I'm saying? It's uh, a little bit more upbeat. But then if we do a hybrid music, so you know, appreciate it. Hey, hey, uh, as long as we get those AJ Suede pre-advanced roles, uh, <laughs> we're we're, we're here for it. Um 
yeah talk a little bit about uh indica music and and the the producers you chose and how that project came together so indica music like throughout the year so i i have the most fun when i'm doing my self-produced projects right but that's not i don't always feel like a producer like i produce i always wanted to do that first but that comes in waves so when there's moments when i feel like i just want to rap or that there's certain producers that like you go to their world whenever like those are my favorite producers like if i if i see them i'm going to their world i just happen to be cool with a couple of them right so i could always hit up a small professor or like a televangel i don't want to drop too many names but people send me beats over the course of me working on other shit. I could, can I curse? Yeah, people send me beats all the time. And I'm always like, yo, this is great, but I don't know when I'm going to be able to use it. So I kind of slowly build folders and every once in a while when I feel like I'm just writing, you know, write a song here and there. Next thing you know, you got 10. And that it's happens good. a lot. <laughs> <You are. laughs> I'm uh I'm amazed by how productive you are. Um we you know have been watching uh you know your travels throughout the independent music scene for a couple of years now and um you you just have so much work, so many projects, so many different things and um I'm interested and you kind of tapped into it there but I guess if you could elaborate on how you know when something's done, it can't just be the first 10 songs that are finished. Like, how do you how do you group things out? And are you planning a calendar? Or are you like, I want to drop in Q1 and Q3? Or is it just kind of whenever things are ready? Like, can you take us through the process of how you decide when to let something go? That's a good question. And in the, in the few interviews I've done, nobody's asked me that. So uh, yeah, as of recent, I do think in terms of quarter, but it's not necessarily like I'm putting a harsh deadline on myself. It's just that I'm always constantly working on something, right? So I knew for a fact that me and Televangel wasn't gonna have our project ready in time. Like I wanted to drop it top of the quarter, but I knew that wasn't gonna happen. Like an album that great, I need to not be as impulsive. But like for other things like I'm just always constantly working. So I do think of it in terms of quarter. So in the background of me working on something that might be a one producer project, I might be making beats. You know what I'm saying? That's why last year, 2022, I had Televangel first, then Small Professor second. But then by the time I dropped a self-produced album called Oil on Canvas, I was working on that since before the Televangel album, mm. slowly. So it's not even always like I'm wilding out in the studio. Like, mind you, the input, it is high, but it's just like nothing's getting wasted. You, you kind of got to trust the process because after a while, if you kind of keep worrying about is this done, is this done? We know a lot of people who are great. You know, this isn't targeted or nothing, but they don't drop music. They, it's real. You know what I'm saying? Because it's too... You know, and I, I've referenced this part once before. It's like a long time ago, I had a temp job when I was working in a, in a place that made vaccines, right? This was just like through a staffing agency. This was in 2015. And it was one of those places that had like a week long safety orientation. You know, I've had a couple of those jobs. But um, within the PowerPoint presentation of that, there was one that was like, we have to design quality into the process. Mm. Mm. So when you're doing it enough, right? Like if it becomes second nature, I kind of got my own system of hotkeys and mixes and, and things that I trusted myself last time on. So I go into the next project, trusting that automatically. I love That's, that. That is so interesting. Yeah, it's su super dope. Um, I'm wondering from a, a rap perspective, because you are so prolific and everything is to a certain level of quality. Do you have like a regimen? Like, are you doing, you know, a 16 before lunch every day? Like how does, how does the, the writing process happen for you? Uh, there's, there's no one way. That's a good question too, because there, there was a time I believe 
that I was kind of thinking from that perspective. Like, I just need to constantly be writing. And because I always kind of been a little bit prolific with it, at this point, I only write when I hear a beat that makes me want to write on the spot. Okay. And, and like, from, what? how long does that take, though? Just kind of, you get a beat, you sit down, does it vary? Does it go over days? Can you knock it out in like 45 minutes? In those situations, it depends on how good the beat is. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like a great yes, beat, I do. you might just, <laughs> but sometimes though, I might go about my day, right? Doing my like errands, going to pick up some food or grab coffee and whatnot. And like, I might, I might come upon that first bar. And I think sometimes I, I make a collection of first bars. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Uh, or like jumping off points or at least like a first four bar, like while I'm out and about. And then I kind of build on that idea from there. So when I when I kind of like started off, you know how it is, that one, right? You get you get mm-hmm. that first bar. Sometimes that proper first bar writes the rest of the song. Song, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm obviously not a rapper, but I call them verse entrances and I pay very specific attention to them when I'm listening. Like if it's not good, what are we even doing here? You know what I mean? No. So even less. So let's add on to, you know, so let's say that you're writing an essay, right? Yeah. So here's a, here's another little piece of game. When, um, I try to go to community college, I did three semesters. It didn't really work out. Right. But during a period of that time, Every once in a while, I do people's essays for money. Oh, wow. Hey. You know, so writing is nothing. But yeah. you know how it is when you structure that when you structure that essay, when you got your introductory paragraph, you need that grabber <laughs> sentence. Yes, right? sir. Totally. Yes, sir. Yeah, well said. <laughs> um, so we did our uh, year-end wrap-up last year, and we named uh, you and uh, Milk, also from the Pacific Northwest, as rappers that, that we had our know. eye on. And um, I said a weird thing um, that I did not understand what your deal is. And I've always looked forward to talking (laughs) to you so that I can ask you specifically. um, And it's weird to get on the internet and talk about people. So I I hope you don't take it the wrong way. But um, I'm very curious, like, where are you from? How did you find hip hop? And like, do you consider yourself any type of rapper? And that's kind of what I meant by that statement. Yeah, no, no, I I get it. I think that... um... So to give give uh, people more context, you had uh, it's all good. I don't think that there's anything wrong with it. You said, Thank you. "Am I a street rapper, a nerd, or a music head?" Pretty much. But I think that the music kind of makes reference to all of that. Kind of is an embodiment, even though I don't try to put myself out there like as a street guy. You know, I, I grew up in East Harlem. Okay. I lived in uh, Poconos in Pennsylvania for a little while went back and forth between the two places. And then I ended up in Seattle about five or six years ago, you know? So uh, just being from New York, hip hop, you, you don't even really, you don't find hip hop. Like my my parents were teenagers. My parents graduated high school in 1986. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So by, by those years, you know how it is that transition from high school into college, if you decide to go to college, those are some formative years. I remember everything I was listening to at that time. That was sure. like Rakim and Eric B and shit like that for them, you know? So that shit is naturally embedded in me as yeah. far as I'm concerned. Um, when did you start rapping? Uh, seriously, I started rapping seriously when I was 18, but I was always rapping prior to that. Like, okay. you know? Yeah. I was always kind of like, you know, my dad used to rap back in the day, you know, and him, him and his friends. And then like when I was like 12, my uncles and them were like rapping and had like a booth in their garage and would let me like sit behind the boards and run the sessions. Wow. You know, like, sick. I always kind of wanted to, at, at least at that point, I wanted to more so be a producer because my uncle's kids, my cousin Londell, my cousin Shy. Uh, I always thought they were a little bit more flashier than me. They were better at the forefront. And I kind of just always wanted to like make beats, but you know, nobody around me stuck with music as long as I did. So 
And I'm talking about this is like 12, 13, right? Like, right. So I, I kind of started like trying to rap on my beats, even though it was all bad. But I just always stuck with it. I just from that point. But then I think around the time I graduated high school and I started having to like really get into the workforce, because like, like I said, I tried to do community college. But like even when I was doing it, I was like working retail and all types of shit, all types yeah. of shit. And for the most part, I was like, this is my work ethic wasted, making somebody else's dreams come true. Mind you, you know, like it's it's all good. Like I've worked all types of jobs, but I just kind of trying to make it make it so like throughout the years I shifted the balance, the amount of time I work for myself and other people. Yeah, you know, that, like that makes a ton of sense. Um, to close that gap. And I guess just to help me kind of round this out, and I appreciate all of this context a lot, and I'm sure the listeners do as well. Um, it, do is the independent thing important to you? Like, is it is the most important thing for you to own everything? Would you look for label situations as they arose, or like, what? How how do you situate yourself within the business of hip hop? I think that I want a very long time without making anything from music and still made it right. So at this point. I don't want to ever go into a situation where I can't make music and drop it when I want to drop it. That's important because like, as y'all could tell, I'm a little bit impulsive with the drops. Like you, <laughs> part, part of knowing when the drop is done to go back to even that other question is when you feel comfortable just letting go of it. Right. That's part of the process too, right? Yeah. So, you know, like, I feel like with certain ones, they're really good in the moment, even though obviously we always trying to make timeless shit but I want to be able to drop when I can drop. That's important in any situation. Yeah. And obviously, you know, yeah, ownership. I don't, I don't really think from the perspective of, um, obviously for my business mind, I'm always down to learn and, but I, I don't really give stuff like that too much thought. I think that, uh, the music kind of exists in a place where there's nothing a major could really do for it. Mm. Right? Mm. That's a that's a, a great commentary on on where we're at in a in music right now. Um, I'm curious in a, in a couple of your songs, and I'm not sure if this is on Indica Music. Um, you talk about watching all the Master P and Dame Dash uh, interviews, and yeah. I'm wondering I'm wondering kind of what kind of game do you glean from that, and and how do you apply it to your your independent hustle? Well, you know, like Dame is from like close to where my family's from. Went to high school with my parents and shit like that. Oh wow. You know, and uh when I was younger and stuff like that, like bigs and them kids and me, we were all the same age. So like baby showers and birthday parties, laser tags. So to a certain extent, we were always kind of close with them, like back in the day, you know, so you just kind of always, always appreciated Dane being very unwavering, you know, and he always cared about the artists. And there was a lot of situations where it can make it look like Dame is being crazy, mm. but that's how much he cared about his word and he stuck to it and he had a vision. You know what I'm saying? And I think yeah. that I always look to pe some people like Dame and Master P when it comes to trusting yourself and trusting your vision. Because when you mm -hmm. read about people who are like the first of shit, right? Like no limit. Yo, if you think about it too, it's like maybe shout outs to Priority in a weird way, because Priority distributed Reasonable Doubt as well. Oh. You know, they both had yeah. to take, they had to take that gamble when, when nobody was trying to sign Jay. And they were like, yo, we're going to do this Rockefeller distributed by Priority. And, you know, we're going to do it ourselves until they come knocking on our door. Yeah. Right. Master P did the same thing. And it's like, I also kind of identify with P because he went up to the Bay. Yeah. A little bit of, of that game, that independent spirit. Right. Yeah. yeah. Brought it back to where he's from. So yeah, right. it's like, even though I'm in Seattle, Bay Area culture and Bay Area hip hop is the most prevalent music in the area. Right. Mm. I'm always joking about Mac Dre being, being the king of Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> 
Right. So it's awesome. like there's What's a that? whole independent spirit you get from too too short selling stuff out the trunk, E40. Right. right. You know, so I think yeah. that's like Dame is like my East Coast mogul influence and Master P is like in a way the South to Bay area. Okay. All the, all, the, all the good independent people, because if you think about it, it was unprecedented. I'm just always trying to learn the new way. I'm always studying yeah. and trying to see if I could break ground, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, and I feel like it's, it's starting to break. Um, can we claim you as West coast? I feel like, I feel like your best work has happened since you've been out here. Yeah. Yeah. At this point, it's like, um, you know, I'm always East, it's East Coast for life. But yes, I do, it's, it's West Coast, you know? As far as the, as far as the music shit is concerned, I did make my bones out here. That's, you know. Yeah, and I, and I feel like it, it sounds like it kind of, uh, I was tweeting, you tweeted at us the other day about like, I was like, what's a great rainy day uh, rap record? And you were like, anything AJ Sway. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? <laughs> you know what? That's facts, man. Um, so I, it's yeah. funny. I, I hear I hear Seattle. I have like a lot of family, like my grandma and all them are in Seattle. And um I hear it in in your lyrics. Can you talk a little bit about the Pacific Northwest as kind of a setting and how that influences your music? Oh, of course. Yeah, Pacific Northwest. I think it's it's really crazy the season in which the album is made out here, in my opinion, influences like the end result because we have this big rainy season during the winter, you know? People, like, even when I first came up here, I was like, yo, it rains all the time. It's not that bad. It's like a, it's like a mist, you know? Every once in a while you'll get dumped on, but you can still function throughout the rain. But it keeps a lot of people home and a lot of people are like multidisciplinary artists, whether it be like you paint and play this instrument or that instrument, so one thing I noticed when I first came up here, even like to visit and play shows back before I lived out here, is how talented the average person kind of was, whether it was in the music, just because the time, the time on your hands, everybody kind of has their hand in something creative in one way or another. So when it's winter time, that's when I kind of start dropping those, or at least back then. I don't know, I don't want to sound like I'm rambling. That's when I first started dropping those dark sweaters because mm. it was like that's how uh, I all the time when it was darker, you know, and it has a mood on the city and the average Seattleite because people who were born and raised up here don't get enough vitamin D. Hey, talk about it. You know, <laughs> so it's like then when when uh when the sun sets for long periods of time, it gets yeah. and it's rainy. It's like really, it's like a liminal space. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Awesome. Uh, well, well put. Well put. Uh, you mentioned the Dark Sweater projects, which um, I just heard the last one. Um, amazing work. Love how you kind of point guarded that whole project. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna step one step beyond music because we have you here now, and I have to know as somebody mm -hmm. who drops Star Wars references in their music in such a way that I'm like, oh, you fuck with Star Wars. Like I can tell. <laughs> um, Give us your opinion on the prequels. The prequels meaning like uh, Phantom Menace and mm -hmm. Well, so I was five when the Phantom Menace. I loved them because mm. I grew. I grew with them. You know, like that was yeah. that was part of yeah. my childhood. Yeah. Uh, so did you yeah. see them in the right order? Like, did you see Phantom yeah. Menace as your first Star mm -hmm. Wars movie? Yep. I, uh, yeah, okay. I okay. I seen it. Um, I seen it on Eighty Sixth Street, New York City. Wow. I remember that. Yep. And then I seen Clone Wars in theaters with my cousins. And I seen Revenge of the Sith in theaters with my grandparents, my cousin and my sister. Wow. So that was like I got memories attached to those to those movies. And I was really hype on them. And that's what brought me to the original series. Because you know, even though you watch it, they always show the original one on TV. Right. Like, but uh yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I enjoyed it. I like the CGI. That's back when I still cared about shit like that. Right. The yeah, new ones, though. It's such a that. generation thing. Like we, to us, it just looks weird. It's not uh, dusty or like uh, they call the the look of the 
three first ones from the 70s and 80s the used future and they're going back to that now with the mandalorian and stuff like that even though they have all this great technology everything's kind of dented and rusted and in the yeah. prequels everything's so squeaky and new and it for it just doesn't read as star wars to me it's such a it's a, i cannot get over it um even though i've found things to like about especially the third one uh um, but doesn't that tell the whole pre-empire this is pre-empire right right we have a republic like shit was you know? together yeah you know yeah yeah society yeah. functioned yeah <laughs> but you know i understand what you're saying about the grit of it because there's only a certain feel you can get on the original star wars because they shot it on film yeah. but you know what throughout yeah. the years they keep going back and trying to special effectify. Right. Stuff, right? Like they keep, uh, you go to the end of um, Return of the Jedi. Yeah. You have the, the hologram of Yoda. Yeah. Right. And then they swap out. They swap out the Anakin. Right. Yeah. To where it's it's uh it's old boy. Uh, yeah. It, it all it all yeah. bothers me. I was just like I, I think it, but <laughs> your your point is well taken that. What the ones that came out when you were a kid, like we could be having this conversation in 30 years with someone whose first one was the one where they introduce Ray and they'll exactly. think that's the best movie ever made because they identified with Ray and, um, and John Boyega's character, Finn. You know what I mean? Like that'll be their shit. And we'll they just be did like, Finn dirty. They, they yeah, they did do Finn dirty. They just dropped him completely. Um, yeah, that was a mess the way that whole thing was handled. But um, back to hip hop um, and speaking of the Bay Area. Um, you have done really strong work with Televangel, who lives around mm -hmm. here, and I understand you guys have a little something coming next. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, um, so first and foremost, shout outs to Blue Sky Black Death. Hey. That uh, the whole, like I said, because even after Blue Sky Black Death's time in the Bay, they were up in Seattle. They did, uh, they had a history of working on stuff with uh, Nacho Picasso, who's, okay. who's a yep. rapper from our area, legend. And, um, now, ever since they both parted ways, me and Televangel hit the ground running with Metatron's Cube. And so you know, we, when we was working on that, like we were just doing, I was just doing what I, he was doing what he did by being a producer that makes a lot of beats and me being a rapper that makes a lot of raps. And that one kind of caught a little bit, you know, so. It's a really now, good now, record, man. That's, that's probably yeah. one of my favorite um, records of yours. And I think that, you guys have uh, great chemistry, so I'm excited to see what comes next. Sure, you know, I, and I think part of that chemistry too is that when we work on it, I go down to Portland, and you know, I, I stay at his house with his family, and you know, we go and eat food during the day, and work on music throughout the rest of it, you know, and then I think it translates uh, super well. And like this time around, since like we built up a, a good friendship since the last one. It was like nothing. We already know what our palettes are like, and we, yep. we did some things that we didn't do before, and like we both just leveled up, and it and it feels good. Like I, I took a break. I didn't listen to it at all throughout the whole mixing process, just so it could be fresh when it was time mm -hmm. for the masters. That's smart. If you don't have to, to don't don't ruin exactly. it for yourself, right? Yeah, I just wanted to sound like the first time I heard the record, and um, we were both blown away. So, Parthian shots, March twenty twenty three. Shout outs to Fake Four, Chesky. You already know what time it is. Hey, it's it's wild, man. The one there's a couple people who get mentioned on this program, no matter who we talk to, and Chesky is one of them. Like, no matter who we talk to, somebody will bring him up as a as a catalyst of yeah. uh, of of good music. Um, yeah, man, it's been great to have you here on the program. Definitely uh, looking forward to the upcoming work um you were here not too long ago you were in the bay area i think during the monsoon how, how was the show i think you guys were at bottom of the hill with with the uh, with rap ferrera how'd that go yeah so we we just missed the monsoon we oh, got to okay. sacramento by the time we got to sacramento trees on the ground oh man all that you know tree but so the crazy thing is we were seeing videos about how the the sea levels are rising up next to the bridge yes. We yes, drove sir. over that bridge on the way, on <laughs> yeah, the way to yeah. the bay. So yeah, no, nah, but the, the uh, San Francisco show was great. You know, it was cool for me because I've always wanted to go to the bay. So it was like even before, like you know, the city is expensive with with the lodgings and whatnot. So yep, yep. we were looking around Oakland before we even we didn't get to SF until way after. You know, like until yeah. it was time for the sound check. So we spent the day in Oakland. I got to you know drive 
through that city and, you know, see some of the, the Panther stuff and just go downtown and, and it, it was amazing. So, I, you know, I can't wait to go back. That's what's up. Uh, AJ Sway, thank you so much for coming on the program, man. Peace. Thanks for having me. All right, that was our interview with AJ Swade. Wanna wanna thank him for coming on. Um, super thoughtful guy. It kind of seeing him formulate answers. I'm like, I kind of can see a little bit into your rhyme writing process, right? Like he really, he really gives a, a very thoughtful response. Appreciated that. Absolutely. I thought it was really cool to talk to him. I've wanted to talk to him for a while now, and uh, it did not disappoint. I think he was a well-rounded interview. He dropped some game. He surprised us a little bit. And like yeah. his voice is his voice, which, yeah. you know, I'm always sitting here thinking about like, is that their rap voice? Are they doing a voice? And he was yep. not. That's that's his voice. He has like a yep. this this interesting, slightly gravelly kind of deep voice that like, you know, always uh, um, is used to um i don't he paints pictures with his words man he's mm -hmm. like a good mm -hmm. word word focused uh kind of like wordy mc and i love stuff like that so uh someone i listen to a lot over the last couple of years and um expect we will be doing that in the future and it's kind of cool to see more people catching on and um, yeah. just some seems like someone who is seriously on the grind in a way that i really admire yeah, I was I was reading something about since 20 from 2015 to 2021, he released 30 projects, um, which is like a, a wild amount. But that's kind of like the work rate that you need to to ascend through the indie rap universe know, at this which point. Which is crazy. And like we do put out a lot of podcast episodes, but if I'm we saying. put as much thought into a podcast episode <laughs> as people put into an album like it would just be crazy but i mean yeah. we, we're productive too in our own way but we just sit here and bullshit it's not exactly like heavy lifting so it's kind of funny but i'm like i do understand stick-to-itiveness i do understand yeah. like the need to drop product and the the thing that he said that that was interesting and he said it a couple of times is he was that he was impulsive that he'll he'll yeah. just drop some shit and so yeah that's it's nice to hear that it's not all calculated like I want you want people yeah. to be thinking about their career and how to level up and how best yeah. to succeed and not just throwing darts at a dartboard but if you feel like you've got something hot and you want people to hear it we're also in the golden age of that uh well I kind of feel like you know as I think about my own artist life of like I think the impulsive shit is allows you to have more freedom the more you think about it and the more calculated you try to be i think it it will ultimately weigh down the process mm. um and so it's kind of i think way back when we talked to chris crack he was one of the first rappers to be like i don't know i don't think about this shit yeah i just be doing it i just be churning them out and so it's kind of like um getting moving from a place of instinct and um it really seems to be working i i didn't get to ask him this but i think we're close if we haven't already arrived there at a aj sway type beat <laughs> like he has he has managed to which all that means is you've algorithmically created a sound that can be identified with your music and i, I think he's very close um i i thought his record with um small professor was freaking excellent i think they bring out the best in each other he has a a bounce to his flow which is uh really refreshing so um yeah and he knows about barrier rap so how could you not love him yeah that was that was another surprising uh part of the interview which was dope um you know um the independent hustle aspect of bay rap is certainly 
um a little underrated still i think uh yeah. the fact that he was up on that and like applied the lessons that's the part that's important yeah. to me is like everybody knows that e40 sold out the trunk or whatever but his line about mac dre being the the king of seattle was <laughs> that's so fucking funny and like you know what one of hip-hop's great what ifs is what happens if mac dre you know was able to continue his career and it would just oh, be man. so interesting to see him as like an elder statesman um, seriously but yeah he's uh he's got wider reach than people give it credit for because it might not show up on like billboard or whatever but the the flow and it's it's great to hear a, a younger rapper who likes the prequels um who can uh affirm that so shout out to aj suede be on the lookout for his next project with televangel uh which hopefully we can get an advance of um all right <laughs> off top we talked a little bit about the nba um and don't worry folks don't tune out just yet if you're not an nba fan um, I found a way to make this relevant for everyone. So I was in a text thread with my guy, uh, Drew Baca, Andrew Baker, a uh, friend of the program, friend in real life. And he found this site where you get the NBA players uh, Zodiac signs. And so they're grouped <laughs> together. They're grouped together by Zodiac signs. And he feels because he's in Aries, his birthday is coming up. We're supposed to go hang at the Warriors game. Uh, he feels that Team Aries um, is the dopest team and would would run anybody. Um, and when I read the names, you might agree with that. But historic what I, players or current players? Uh, his, historic and current. Okay. Um, so, but where I wanted to start with this is Nate. You and I are Scorpios. We are um, dark, mysterious energy emanating all over this podcast. Um, I want you to understand how fucking many team Scorpio is. Um, <laughs> you, you have to, you have to vibe with some of these folks. Now, current dope players, Jalen Brown, um, love him on Boston. Uh, we've got Patrick McCaw, which somehow ruined his career. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Lonzo Ball, Evan Fournier, uh, oh, Devin Booker. I didn't see that the first time. Now, Grayson, now we have. Now we're talking. <laughs> uh, Grayson Allen. Oh no! Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Could there be a more hated player? The fact that he ended up on the Jazz is probably the least surprising basketball thing that's ever happened. Uh, yeah, and it was it was meant to be. It's like when Troy Murphy ended up on the Pacers. You're like, you know what? <laughs> that was supposed to happen. There's sometimes it's just a fit. You know what I mean? Um, I think the king of all Scorpios might be Russell Westbrook yeah um weird why are you doing that you're too intense for no reason like you're a, you're amazing you're a dickhead you're an amazing <laughs> dickhead uh other historical ones uh andrew bynum okay uh, yeah is is a scorpio I'll it's take a, everything up to and including his perm he was a really good player <laughs> he was until One he of the blew first out, bigs i saw who could shoot threes he blew out his knee uh bowling which is maybe a very one of the more Scorpio things that you could actually do. That's funny. Um, so our boy uh, David Ma, who is who is not with us, he's alive. He's just he's not here today. He's on assignment. He is he is on assignment. Um, Team Aquarius is is actually pretty stacked. Um, let's see, top heavy, very top heavy team. You have Bill Russell, Michael He's pretty Jordan. Pretty decent at basketball. I've heard um, Michael Jordan and oh, also Team Elijah Wan. Jesus. Yeah, I was like, that's the even, best front court ever assembled, right? Even if you had Bobby Sora as a as points <laughs> on that team, it would run almost anybody. Yeah, it's um, tough to beat. It, it really is, and I'm kind of wondering. Uh, Draymond also in Aries. Um, these are all like wild, intense fucking players, right? They are, like, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Famously so like, focused basketball players are Aries. That's funny. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where like, I don't believe in any of this shit, except that it's true. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, switching it up a little bit, my wife was looking up my, um, I don't know how else, like my other Zodiac sign, like I was born the related sign. Yeah. So I'm year of the monkey. Okay. And she was she was telling me some stuff that is supposed to encapsulate 
what people born in year i don't understand how all these people born in a year could be alike but some of the stuff she was saying i was like yeah that's true and not all of it was flattering you know what i mean <laughs> like, i was like yeah that i am like that unfortunately so. um i think uh looking historically team scorpio speaking of unflattering um uh bill walton built walton famous scorpio and i'm like who would party harder than team scorpio totally yeah uh um, scorpio's gonna get after it you know what i mean and by after it we mean the bar um <laughs> All right, team team Aquarius, which uh, Medium did an essay on this and rated them as the top team ever. Um, yeah, Jordan Russell, Steve Nash, Alonzo Mourning, Vince Carter, and Mark Price. Wow, um, got some heavy hitters there. You got shooting, you got passing, you got like the greatest center who ever lived. Defense, yeah. greatest forwards for it. I mean, yeah. uh, kind of ridiculous. Kind of ridiculous. Uh, team you got Aries. one more who's a weird one. Who's that? Do you do you? Like, oh, a was team. There, was there another one that stood out? Uh, yeah, Team Aries, which uh, Drew is an Aries, and he keeps pushing that Team Aries would be like a, a dark horse in this tournament. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, okay. Moses Malone, John Stockton, John Havlicek, Jason Kidd, Rick Barry, and Walt Frazier. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, if it took place in '75, I'll, yeah, I'll totally. give you that. I'll, I'll yeah. give you that. Uh, or 55. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite bits of Jesus and Mero was one time they um they were making fun of uh, John Havlicek who could only dribble with one hand. Yeah. Um, and they were like comparing him to Kyrie. It was it was pretty fucking funny. That is pretty funny. Yeah. Um, I've, I've seen his uh, you know how they say like Draymond <laughs> looks like he's wearing a backpack when he shoots a three. John Havlicek <laughs> looks like he's wearing a fucking backpacking backpack with full of water when he dribbles the basketball which is a fairly important part of the game uh yeah it's a shout out to the uh the 1960s but uh there, there it is you came for the hip-hop you got nba you got horoscope information uh but you know what you need to get you need to get on that new fly sporadic uh that <laughs> nate just dropped uh on our patreon talk to us a little bit about this latest installment of the spore as i've yeah. come out um, so Fly Sporadic is my radio show that I do occasionally on our Patreon. I just dropped the first episode of the season. It is a themeless episode. Mm. Um, I where I just kind of put songs together that I that I'm listening to lately that I liked and talked about them a little bit. Um got a Herbie Hancock song on there. Um, got a song by uh Nah Really, who is a rapper. Who's a okay. friend of the program? Yeah. Who um, I have, you know, who I listen to a lot of his music in my personal life. Um, what else? Um, got some Silver Jews. Uh, shout out to okay. the singer songwriter vibes. Okay. Um, yeah, a Nappy Nina song. Um, some Bjork. I've been listening to a ton of Bjork lately. A couple songs okay. by Salt. Some reggae. It, it is tru- truly all over the place. As is my uh, scattered personal listening so um yeah just um i have a fun time putting these together i actually jumped right into doing the next one um, which i think is going to focus on like kind of like uh indie rock with female vocals which is another thing that i listen to a ton of in my personal life and don't really have a chance to talk about so i'm already you know well well into putting the track listing together for that one sick it's just one of those perks that you get when you subscribe to our patreon patreon.com slash dead bod rap pod uh we are on twitter at dead bod rap pod we are on ig uh at dead bod rap pod and we do an episode every thursday it's it's so consistent i you know what i think we are the indie rapper you just you put that seed in my brain we are the indie rapper of podcasting um and you literally are (laughs) <laughs> slash slash I just, slash I just pretend sometimes um uh, yeah i mean we decided when we were starting to do this that if we were gonna do it we we're gonna do it every week and that's what has led the show to where it is now and sometimes totally. i wonder if like taking a break and doing mini series like some of our other uh folks have done would switch it up a little bit or draw in new people and i think about it all the time but i also like look forward to you know, Mondays at 5 p.m. when we sit down and talk to all these interesting people and we get to yep. talk to each other and we get to share our theories and our what we like and what we don't like. And it's just, you know, we have fun doing it. So I, I don't mind doing it. 
um, every once in a while you got to take a week off and that's, uh, those are fun too. So. Absolutely. Um, but you know, it's been fun to rock with y'all this week. We'll probably come back next week, barring, um, <laughs> a force majeure. Uh, and you know what it is. It's the dad bod rap pod. No, Just behold that pale horse Got the lack of faith in the force It's disturbing, don't ever caught the hood urban Good bourbon, still cooking, not curb serving Roll the jade like Dr. Irvin Trouble waters over bridges burning Got me feeling like Tyler Durden Fight club, no club West coast with the pro club East coast with the Gore-Tex Got you caught up in the vortex This adventure, too bizarre Skip your turn Uno car, Uno car, jet lagging, speed wagon, moving castle, I'm a car. Now you holler, pen dragon, teeth wisdom, overcrowding, pearl jam, even flow. Don't remember like the Cleveland show, sway guy, small professor, I don't give no. A for efforts, three dimensional, chess match, I don't have no time for checkers. At the junction, Flatbush, on the hill with that Kate Bush, I'm the GOAT. Call me Noxon, urban legends don't get Oscars. Just to fist, I punch chakras. Here's your invitation to the opera. Cause it's over fat lady song. Broken shoulders with the crazy ones. Every cloud in Seattle got the black lining. Even now, in the dirt, we find black diamonds. Every cloud blocks the sun, so there's no shining. Anyhow, all these mountains, I'm still climbing. Every cloud in Seattle got the black lining. Black Even now, in the dirt, we find black diamonds. Black diamonds. Every cloud blocks the sun, so there's no shining. No shining. Anyhow, all these mountains, I'm still climbing. Still climbing. You're going in an active volcano. There could be steam explosions. You're dealing with poisonous gas. You're dealing with weather, and you're going into a harsh environment. You're just a visitor, and hopefully, you're welcome.